We are so glad that you joined us today. We know that God wants to do something great in you and through you, and we want to hear about it. So if you can take a moment and share with us your story in the City Chapel app in the Amen Corner. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoy today's message. We left off in 2 Kings chapter 3, an obscure passage in the Old Testament, um, but it's really following the narrative of really the entire book of 2 Kings. The entire book of 2 Kings is just a, a, a chronological testimony of what happens when you, when you turn your back on God. Um, we see the nation of Israel, the nation of uh, Judah, which d- it divided Israel and Judah. Um, and we see these kingdoms that used to be established on godly principles, that used to be following Jehovah, that used to be serving Yahweh, used to be serving God, but then uh, they're falling into apostasy. And really the whole book of Second Kings is kind of depressing because it's just, it's just one incident after another where the author is showing us what happens uh, when you get your priorities twisted, what happens when you start chasing the wrong things, start serving the wrong things? And so, uh, yeah, at the ex- sort of toward the beginning of Second Kings, there's this interesting story, which I think really shows, obviously, the obvious uh, uh, consequences of not following God, but it also offers us a glimmer of hope. It also teaches us a little something about God and something about the kind of faith that we need to have in God. So if you have a Bible, that's great. If not, we've got a giant Bible over here on the screen. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 6, we're going to read the story again. Uh, king Jehoram went out of Samaria. That's the king of Israel. King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all of Israel. He gathered all the troops. And then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, who was the king of Judah. So the kingdom had been divided, the northern kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom of Judah, So he sends a message to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab, which is our neighbor, has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And uh, Jehoshaphat said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as as your people, my horses as your horses. Verse 8, he asked the all-important question, Which way shall we go? And so he answered, By way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah, and they also recruited the king of Edom, because they were traveling through Edom, through the wilderness. Edom is basically a desert. And they marched on that roundabout route uh, for seven days. Boy, I'm thankful for people who are willing to march (laughs) through the sauna, through the desert, on the roundabout route. I'm thankful for you all that you showed up and you stuck around in the middle of the heat. There are some people that are with you uh, at the beginning, but once it gets too hot. <laughs> so I'm thankful that some of you have stuck around. I'm th- you, you all be thankful for the people. Some, sometimes you can focus on the ones who left you in the desert, but what, there, there's, there's some folks that stuck with you, that have believed in you, that have, that have supported you, that walked with you seven days. There's no record of any complaining here, or, or people deserting, or... I mean, you know, they just they just got a worship guide and started fanning themselves, and they're out there in the wilderness. You, you just ought to know. Maybe, maybe you're new to City Chapel. You, you ought to know you're surrounded by some people who are willing to take the roundabout route. You don't have to change yesterday. You don't have to get all your life figured out today. We're ready to take the roundabout route with you. We'll walk with you a little while. We'll walk with you through the desert. We don't... Anyway, that's the kind of people we are. And uh, we, we'll even stick, stick around in a hot elementary school um, just, just because, just because we, we said we would, just because we committed to it. we got this group of soldiers. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm appreciative of people who are willing to march with us. 
through the roundabout seven-day journey. It's a long trip. And then a small detail comes out that you wouldn't have known otherwise. The, the author tells us there was no water for the army. Uh-oh. <laughs> Nor for the animals that uh, were with them. So the king of Israel, now you have to remember, they're, they, they've been marching seven days through the wilderness with an entire army and a bunch of animals, and now they're at the back door of Moab. They're, on, they're about to attack. Uh, they, they had rigged up this, planned up this surprise attack on Moab. That's why they took the, the roundabout route in order to catch Moab off guard. Uh, great strategy, great alliance between three kings. Somehow the king of Israel convinced these two other guys just to go with him and help him. Uh, he's obviously a great leader, a great visionary. Uh, they, you know, he gave them the motivational speech. They got their swords, they got their shields, they got their chariots, they got their armor. They're ready to go. And then he finds out on the edge of the fight, on, on the border of Moab, he finds out that they have been, they're out of water, and they've been out of water for a while. They're all thirsty. And so he says, alas. Uh, that's that's kind of King James, but uh, I like the NIV. He says, what? <laughs> have you ever been just right on the verge of breakthrough, and suddenly you're like, what? I don't know, maybe it's just me. But every once in a while, you get in the car ready to go, and it, what? You're driving, and all of a sudden, something starts popping and rolling funny, and you think, oh, that's not a big deal. And... Uh, <laughs> Ten miles down the road, you're standing outside your car saying, what? Like, like, I mean, sometimes life is like that. I, I heard one preacher, Mike Murdoch, he said, there's always going to be a squeaky wheel in your life. There's always going to be something wrong. God's going to make sure that there's always an element of lack to your life. No matter how great of a planner you are or great strategy you have concocted and alliances you have built, yet one of the most basic elements of life he forgot. Got the swords, check. Got the armor, check. Got the guys, check. Got the motivational speech, check. Cut water. What? We forgot the water? I mean, it's kind of important. You know, you can go like 40 days without food. You can only go a few days without water. You can go like eight days without sleep, believe it or not, before you start going crazy in your mind. But you can only go a few days with, like, you need water. Your body's mostly made up of the stuff. It's kind of important, especially on a seven-day march through the wilderness. At the end of the day, there are seven days with no rest stops, no Starbucks, it's like driving through Arkansas. You know what I'm saying? Is anybody driven through Arkansas? Like, you got to get ready for that. Like, you got to prepare. You don't just drive through Arkansas. You prepare. <laughs> they forgot the water. They got, they got all, all set, all ready to go, and they've run out of water. And the king of Israel says, what? Can't believe. You can hear the shock in his voice. He's, he's taken off guard. And, he, and, and his statement is so indicative, really, of, of humanity. He says, alas, the Lord has called these three kings together in order to kill us, to deliver us into the hand of Moab. God, why didn't you pack my lunch? <laughs> Lord, you're supposed to be holding my car together. I don't have to get oil changes. You're supposed to be holding my car together, Lord. Why, like, you know, it's so, it's so us, right? Make dumb life choices Blame God when things fall apart. He's like, I can't believe God's doing this to me. He says, have you brought us here to kill us? 
but verse 11 gives us the, the advice of another king, the king Jehoshaphat. He says, Jehoshaphat says, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of um, Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. In other words, he used to be Elijah's servant. And Jehoshaphat said, hey, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom, all three kings in the valley, getting ready to attack Moab, find out they're out of water. King Jehoshaphat says, wait a minute, isn't there a prophet around here? And they say, yeah, actually, Elisha is here. Now all three kings go down to Elisha. And in verse 13, Elisha has a little greeting for him. He says to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Uh, he says, why don't you go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother? Uh, if you don't know, uh, Jeho uh, Je Jehoram's father and mother were Ahab and a lady named Jezebel. If you've been around church for a while, you've heard of her. Um, basically, they, were, they, 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 didn't, they didn't serve God. Uh, you thought that was a compliment when they called you that, but it wasn't. It wasn't. That, that, was, that was not. It's kind of like when Southerners say, bless your heart. They don't really mean blessings to your, your, your innermost person. That's not what they're saying. They're saying you're special. Um, and uh, not in a good way. And uh, anyway, he says, he says, he says, wait, is there, is, is, is there no prophet? And it's yes. And so they go to Elisha, and Elisha says, what have I to do with you? Why don't you go to the prophets of your father and your mother? Because Ahab and Jezebel used to seek out other gods and other prophets. And so Elisha says, you know, it's real convenient that as soon as you run into trouble, that's when you run to God. Well, if you can't say amen, just say oh me. <laughs> when you run into trouble, that's when it... But by the way, just, just, just FYI, I don't hear Jehoshaphat inquiring of the Lord either until they run out of water. I, it's, it's sometimes, sometimes desperation is what drives you to God. Sometimes the lack. And so, and so sometimes I'm actually sort of grateful for the, for the bad stuff that happens in, in people's lives because it sort of helps wake you up to the reality that you need God. Because the truth is the army, like, they had been thirsty for seven days. The king of Israel just didn't know it. Right? Because you can look like you have everything together. You can look like you got the armor, you got the sword, you got the shield, everything's good to go. You got the flags, you're on the march. You look like an army that's ready to fight, but really you're an army that's about to starve. Because people don't see the inside. People don't see uh, the inside of a marriage. People don't see the inside of your children. People don't. Oftentimes it's easy to look like you have everything together but be starving on the inside. And so I'm thankful for those things that just kind of nag at us and drive us, that desperation can drive us to God. Both Jehoshaphat and King Jehoram both needed a little bit of motivation to seek out a word from the Lord. And uh, Elisha says, why don't you go talk to the gods of your fathers? But he does say, the king of Israel said to him, no, because God's called us here to kill us. Um, and Elisha says, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, uh, the king of Judah, I would not even look at you or see you. So, um, yeah, obviously he hasn't had his coffee this morning. He says, but now bring me a musician, right? Give me a Hammond B organ. Give me a, a musician to sing and start worshiping. We talked about that last week, that when it then it happened, while they were worshiping, that the, when the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Sometimes you have to change the soundtrack of your life uh, before you're able to hear this, what God is saying to you. And he is saying something to you. 
The word of the Lord is speaking. I mean, Jesus himself is called the word of God. It's kind of hard for him to shut up. He is the word. So it's, he is speaking over you. God's not silent over you. If you're not hearing him, that might be true. But he, it's not because he's not speaking. He is speaking. He does desire to communicate to you. He is, even in the middle of your valley, even in the middle of your thirstiness, God has something to say to you today. God has something to reveal to you, to speak to you, to encourage you, to challenge you, to convict you, to direct you. He has a word. He is the word of God. So he always has something to say. And, and sometimes, though, you've got to change the atmosphere. You have to change the context of, of, of how you're listening to him. You can't, have, you can't complain all the time about what he's doing. And I don't understand why this is happening, why that. Well, that's fine. But sometimes you have to stop complaining and just start listening to what God has to say to you. And when God speaks to you, he doesn't condemn the king of Israel. He doesn't, he doesn't say, man, you should have brought water. You should have thought of this. He doesn't do all the things that I would have said. Instead, God's message is, 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 is simply amazing. Uh, the, the, the word of the Lord, the hand of the Lord comes upon Elisha and he says, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Now remember, they're needing water. And so this is where we got our sermon title from, Just Dig. Because that's basically what God tells the king of Israel. Make this valley full of ditches. Dig a whole bunch of ditches. Just start, start digging. Start digging. Shut up and start digging. Just start Digging. Now, why in the world, God, would we want to start digging? Well, God's, God's giving them some, some instruction here. He says, I want you to make the valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet this valley shall be filled with water, so that your cattle and you and your animals may drink. In other words, God's saying, look, I'm about to. It's not going to come from the sky. It's not, you're not going to see rain, there's not going to be wind, there's not, I know there's no clouds in the sky, but I'm about to bring water into your valley, and so I want you to dig a whole bunch of ditches. What's he doing? He's preparing them for what is to come, for the blessing that he's about to send to them, for the breakthrough that's about to happen in their life. Uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't really talked about this much, mainly be, because I just haven't really felt the liberty to, but every year, at the beginning of the year, uh, the first week of January, I spend time fasting and praying and asking God for a special word um, from Him for the year. Um, and since we started City Chapel, I've been doing this about 20 years, since we started City Chapel, I, I started asking Him for a word from the Lord for City Chapel. And, and normally it doesn't really make sense. Like, He'll give me one word, and I'm like, I don't know what that means, but okay. And uh, I start sort of using that word to, 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 as a framework for what God wants to do in the church. And this year, um, I, I don't think I've shared it from the pulpit, but, but this year the Lord spoke to me that this was going to be a year of breakthrough uh, in people's lives. And I haven't shared that. I haven't shared that because it sounds kind of religious and everybody's always talking about breakthrough. And I get tired of it. And I'm like, Lord, don't you have a better word, like a cooler word, a more hip word? Like, we're talking to hipsters here. They don't, they, they don't watch TBN. Like, but no, the breakthrough was the word. It was the word breakthrough. And so, I don't know if you think that's too religious, just substitute it for something else. But, but I, I feel like God wants to do a breakthrough in your life. And by the way, I've seen breakthrough. God, God began telling me, in this person's life, they're going to have a breakthrough in their relationships. In this person's life, there's going to be a breakthrough in their marriage. In this person's life, there's going to be a breakthrough in their finances. In this, in this single woman's life, there's going to be a breakthrough in her relationship. It, I mean, I mean, because she's desiring that. And so, you know, I, he just began telling me these things. And I said, well, that, that's great, Lord. But what do I do with that? 
Like, what do you do with that word? What do you do? Well, if you look back at the sermon series that I've been preaching since January, you're going to see a bit of a pattern that I've really been talking about build-up. Because anytime God wants to create a breakthrough in your life, there has to first be a build-up. And this is what he's doing in this story. He's telling them, look, I'm going to send water, and it's going to flood your valley. I'm going to fill your valley full of water, but you got to be ready to receive the water. Otherwise, all the water will just go into the ground, and you'll be just as thirsty as you were before. And this is the way a lot of people live, though. They live from Sunday to Sunday, from service to service, from flood to flood. They never learn how to retain what they have received. And so and so and so I know that as soon as a preacher starts talking about digging, right? Everybody thinks that I mean we gotta dig deeper. That's not true. I don't think we need to go any deeper. I I, I think half of us are probably about a mile deep and about an inch wide. Uh, uh, because because this is what we want, right? Because we, 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 we get saved, we get in church, and then we want to go deeper. And we want to learn about the wings of the seraphim. And we got to go deeper. And we got to figure out how many feathers are in each of those wings. And we dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. But we, the truth is, if you, just, if you just obeyed the revelation that you have, <laughs> I, I know some preachers are really nice. I'm not one of those. I just start swinging. They're like body parts left over after service. It's okay. There's a lot of sweet people that hug you and love on you and tell you how much Jesus loves you. But the truth is, like, the reason why you're still thirsty in your life is because you've never learned to retain the revelation that has been poured out to you. The way that you retain the revelation is through obedience. You act on it. You do something that God called you to do. You can keep listening and listening and listening and listening and listening, but if you don't start putting it into practice... Sometimes I think we think that we can change our life if we change our thinking, right? Like if we start thinking differently, we'll start living differently. But that's not really the way it works. You have to start living differently to start thinking differently. You have to start doing something to adjust your belief system. And so, and so, and so what I'm talking about, when I'm talking about digging, I'm not saying we're going to go really deep this summer. We're going to go, no, no, no. I mean, we're going to break up the surface of this, of this valley that you've been living in. I mean, we're going to prepare for, for God to be able to pour out something to you. And you're actually going to be able to receive it and retain it and drink from it and get nourishment from it. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about when I say just dig. I don't. He says make this valley full of ditches. Don't spend all night digging one ditch. Dig a thousand ditches. Make this valley full of ditches in order to retain what you receive. In order to retain it. In order to drink from it. In order to feed your kids with it. In order to feed your friends with it. In order to, in order to share it. It can't just be something that you come to this one place in the desert and get some water on Sunday morning and then go back and, and everybody else that you know is dying of thirst and you're dying of thirst and your family's dying of thirst. You just can't wait to get back to church on Sunday. It has to be something more than that. You've got to have a, you gotta have a ditch that you're holding. You're carrying the water, the blessing of God that he's poured out. You've got to be able to hold it. And that's what God's saying. I want you to prepare for this. And real faith, the kind of faith that, that ultimately sees breakthrough is the kind of faith that is able to prepare for the breakthrough when that breakthrough hasn't happened yet. Is able to start acting on the promise when all you got is a promise and you don't even have proof. Real faith doesn't need proof. Real faith will work on a promise. If God said it, then that seals it. And so I'm going to start digging and preparing as if. I mean, there are no clouds in the sky, but I'm going to dig as if the clouds are in the sky. There's no sprinkling going on. I'm going to dig as if there's sprinkling. 
frequently. People say, why are you digging ditches in the desert? I thought you were thirsty. Yeah, I am thirsty. God's sending the water. I'm doing the digging. God's sending the blessing. I'm doing the preparation. There's an A and a B inside to this thing. There's a plus and a minus. There's a completion that God wants to do. And if all you do is just receive and never retain, you still have to do another seven-day journey of no water. Which, by the way, that is the real problem in this story. I know the king of Israel, he's thinking about the war. And so what I want to do is I just want to do a little bit of teaching with you today because I, I tried to talk about this last week, but I don't think I, don't think I, really, I really got my point across. So I'm going to break out the old whiteboard, and um, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to do any drawing because I'm terrible at drawing. Um, I'm just going to do some writing, okay? So this is, this is, this, this is what I mean by um, water and warfare. So... So in church we talk a lot about symbolisms and sometimes people don't really know what we're saying. So, 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 so I just, just want to let you know that the real problem with the, with, with the armies of Israel was not the war. They were ready for the war, they just didn't have any water. So the real problem was the water. The real dilemma in the story is the lack of water. The writer of 2 Kings is trying to tell us a picture, really he's talking about all of Israel's history, that, that, that oftentimes Israel had focused on the war. And they had forgot the water. The water, it has to do with, with, with your health. The water has to do with your vitality. The war has to do with your victory. And so war has everything to do with breakthrough, right? And so, and so the kinds of things, when I, when, I, when, I, when I talk about focusing on the war, the king of Israel was focused on the war. And God said you need to stop focusing on the war and you need to get some water. So they stopped what they were doing. They stopped marching. They stopped the motivational speeches. They hung out in the valley and waited for God to send water. And that's essentially, if you don't get anything else out of this message, I want you to understand that the real breakthrough that God wants to manifest in your life has very little to do with the war that you're facing and has a lot to do with the water that you're lacking. Think about it. Breakthrough, like, okay, so um, we used to have chickens, and um, chickens lay eggs all the time. And if you don't slaughter them and eat them real quick, um, they can produce baby chicks. It takes time. It takes time inside of that shell. Now, 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 once the baby chick starts breaking through the shell, um, it's pretty awesome, right? The beak starts pecking away, and the wings start spreading out, and the little, I don't know, feet, web feet, is that what they are, feet? I don't know. Start punching through there. And, and it's like this, this shell uh, just breaks its breakthrough. And it's amazing, but nobody, nobody calls the local news station. Nobody, it's not on the front page of the paper when, when a chick breaks through the shell, even though it's pretty amazing, because we all understand that, that it was a process, that it took a long time, that the chick didn't actually break through the shell because the chick was so powerful. The chick broke through the shell because the chick had grown to such a level that the shell could no longer contain the growth that had happened inside of the chick. And so oftentimes we focus on trying to get breakthrough through our shells and through our barriers, and we're trying to peck, we're trying to peck something that is outside of us. And what God wants to do is He wants to grow us so that we don't even have to 
break anything necessarily. Simply the level of our growth is too big for the level of our, of our restraints. The thing that used to hold us back, now it cannot hold us back, not because we're so strong punching through the thing, but because we have grown to such a level that it doesn't even bother us anymore. It's not even, I mean, this isn't even an issue anymore. I don't even think about that anymore. I don't even deal with that anymore. I don't even fight that feeling or that emotion anymore. I have grown, I have matured to a level. And that has everything to do with water. You don't have water, you don't grow. You don't have water, you don't have health. And so the, the battle, really, the battle lines have to move back here to the need for water. You have to take your eyes off of the shell and off of the thing that you're trying to have breakthrough in and start focusing on the water. So, so I just wanted to write down a few things that I just know uh, as, a, as a pastor that many of us deal with. This is kind of where the war is, okay? In our finances. The war is also where the enemy attacks you, by the way. Pastor, pray for me. The Lord's attacking me in my finances. Got these unexpected bills and, and uh, you know, and, 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 and fees and stuff. And the Lord's attacking me in my finances. Okay? That's the war. And I'll definitely pray for you. We've seen financial breakthrough, and that, that's great. Uh, also, a little closer to home, is the marriages. The enemy attacks a marriage. The enemy comes against a good marriage. <laughs> and if your war is in your marriage, don't say amen right now. If your spouse is here, do not shout that out. It's not a good time to agree with the pastor. But I do know that some marriages are war zones. I do know that some relationships are war zones. And that doesn't mean that you need to call it quits. That doesn't mean that it's the end. That simply means that that's where the attack is happening. That means that that is where the enemy is attacking you. That is your barrier, and that is where you want breakthrough. And that's fine. Uh, some, uh, for some people, what are some other war zones in your life, if you're brave enough to shout it out? What? Your kids. <laughs> yes, the, the fights of the kids. Yeah, yeah. Jobs, okay, yeah, job or lack thereof, um, or lousiness thereof. Be right. The go the government. That's right. Come on, somebody. The government. The government is. I mean, our own government. We're fighting with ourselves. We don't even need anybody to interfere. We're just interfering with ourselves because. Because this is where the enemy attacks. This is where the battlegrounds, the battle lines are drawn. I would even say, like in the church, I would say even, 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 even gifts uh, of the spirit, even, even, even gifts of the spirit can be a battleground. Because the Bible says to seek the gifts, and so we seek the gifts. We seek the gift of prophecy. We seek the gifts of speaking in tongues, which we believe in around here. We 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 seek we, we seek the gifts. And it's great, and it's often a battle, and it's what we're trying to get to, or the gift of preaching, the gift of, of worship leading. Uh, and, 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 but, it's, but it's one of those above-the-surface things. That's what the war zone is. It's the things that you see. It's the things above the surface. It's things that have to do with the word victory. But over here we have things that have to do with the word vitality. The Scripture tells us that ultimate vitality comes from the presence of the Spirit in our lives. And so whenever you are a healthy individual, you have the fruit of the Spirit or the proof of the Spirit in your life. And so the proof of the Spirit, the Bible says, is love. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can remember all of them. Joy. Peace. By fruit, I don't mean actual like cherries or anything. I mean the proof of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. 
uh, if I can remember how to spell that, uh, kindness, yeah, uh, gentleness. You don't see many politicians running on that platform. <laughs> These are not things that we value in our culture. Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, kind of like what you all are doing today. I don't know, is there two L's in faithfulness? Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. <laughs> you must learn control. Goodness, come on somebody. Goodness, goodness gets left out. Goodness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are the, this is the water. So when, I'm, so, so when I'm telling you to take your eyes off of the war, these are the things I'm telling you to take your eyes off of. Just fill in your own blank. But, but, but there, are, there are things in your life you've been praying about and asking God for breakthrough in. And there they are areas that God wants to provide breakthrough in your life. But not without water. And what, what happens is we think a lot like the king of Israel, right? We're seven days in this journey. There's no water around here. How do I get love, joy, peace, patience? Kind of, how do I get these things? This isn't, this isn't going to happen. I, I can't just discover this on the side of the road. And so, in the king of Israel's mind, the quickest way to the water is through the war. Right? Because they're on the back door of Moab, and if they can rush in and defeat the Moabites, they can steal their water. And so that's the goal, is we, we win the war, then we get the water. Right? We get our finances under control, and then we start living in peace. We win the war, we get the water. We get our kids trained, and then we can actually have joy in the home. We can be happy, because our kids aren't crazy. Kids not crazy, mama happy. Kids not crazy, mama happy. If, if, we, if we can get our marriage fixed, then we can start feeling the love. We got the two F's there, feeling fixed, and anyway, that's cool. Uh, the man, if we can get our marriage fixed, if we can just get this little communication issue worked out, then we can start feeling the love. If, if the government, man, if the government could, could could just get its head out of the sand, then you, then we could we then we, people could be have some faithfulness around here. If they had something they could believe in, something they could work toward. Man, if I if I had the gifts of the spirit, just just how much how much how much patience would I have with other people? If I had the gifts of the Spirit, how, how much kinder would I be if, if God would just, would just fill me with His Spirit and I start having all these gifts? We, we often put the war ahead of the water. We think the war is necessary in order to get the water. Really, it's the other way around. And, and we keep fighting these wars. And we keep running into battle thirsty. We, you get so thirsty, you can't even pick up your sword anymore. You get so weary, you, can't even, you, can't, you don't even want to fight anymore. After a while, the, the war ends up killing you. Or at least you think it's the war. It's really your lack of water. It's really the fact that you're fighting on empty. You're, you're marrying on empty. You're training kids on empty. You're preaching on empty. You're serving on empty. You're doing all of these things without the nourishment of these things in here. And so, so if warfare won't get us water, how do we get water? I was talking, I was talking to Madden one day, and um, she had been kind of mean to her brother. And uh, I don't know if she said something or did something, but um, uh, uh, she, had, she, she had apologized to him 
you know, um, which is cool. That's what we do. And Micah said, oh, I forgive you. And, and so then later on that day, I took her aside and I said, honey, so, so why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you? And she said, I don't know. I was mad, blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, so how are you not going to do it again? Because life is not just about, you know, constantly abusing people and then apologizing for it. That's not how we roll, you know? I don't, I don't want you to marry some guy with that view in mind. That's not how we roll. So, so, so how are we going to change it? How are we going to get better? She said, I don't know. She said, well, I'm going to try not to be mean to him. I said, that's really good, actually. I that, that's wonderful. And from a human standpoint, that's probably about your best, the best you can do. And that's good, but it's not nearly good enough. <laughs> Positive, encouraging dad's love coming right at Madden. I said, honey, that's not nearly good enough. The Bible, Jesus said that if, that if, you, want, that if you want to follow him, you must love God with everything and you must love people. Not, must love God with everything, try not to be mean to people. <laughs> you must love God with everything, try to be patient with people, try to be, no, no, no. Love people from your heart. Like, the first response of your little heart ought to be love toward your brother. Not, I'm trying not to be mean. I got meanness starting to come out, and I'm trying to shove it down there, put a little smile on my face, and not say what I want to say, and not do what I want to do. No, when you love God, it comes out of your heart. You love God from your heart. When you love people, it's supposed to come out of your heart. It's supposed to come from your heart. And, and, and I said, that's the, that's the standard. Try not to be mean. I mean, that's like way down here. That has nothing to do with, with, with this right here. That's just all this. That's all warfare. Keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying to break my addiction. We can put that in there, addiction. Keep trying to keep, keep, keep trying to stop that. Keep trying to stop that habit and that way of thinking. I just keep fighting. I keep struggling with it. I keep struggling with it. I, and we hear about people who lost the battle with addiction. You know, they died of an overdose and they lost the battle. Yeah, no, but they didn't die of the war. They died because they didn't have this. And they thought that the addiction would bring about this. They used the addiction because they had lost this. They were really trying to get water. They were just trying to survive. And that's all anyone's trying to do when they fight in their marriage, when they fight over their kids, when they fight in their job. They're just trying to get to this. It's your innate need. You have an innate desire, a thirst that God put inside of you for a heart that looks like this, for a heart that is healthy. You, you feel that. You want that. And, and you've been told that this is the path to that. And it's not. And I talked to Matt and I said, honey, you can try all you want, but that's not what God wants from you. God wants you to love your brother clearly, freely, unselfishly, with expecting nothing in return. And she began crying and she said, I can't do that. And I said, welcome to my world. Welcome to the waterside. Welcome to where the king of Israel and the king of Judah and the king of Edom found themselves. Seven days into the wilderness, no pit stops along the way, no water on any front and a war in front of them. I cannot do this. <laughs> I said, honey, at eight years old, it's good that you've come to that conclusion. Because the, the, the sooner you get to that conclusion, the sooner you figure that out, 
the less pain you will have to go through throughout your life, trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And you end up fighting with other people because you think they're trying to take your water. Then you, you, end, you, end up, you end up compromising your convictions because you think they have water for you. You, you, you constantly, you, you can, the sooner you figure out, you cannot. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why we do the warfare thing instead of the water thing because at least it's something we can do. I know where that enemy is. I know how to do that. I know how to face that. I got a sword. I got a shield. I came prepared for that battle. But I have no idea how in the world to get water. What am I going to do? Make it rain? What am I going to do? do? Make make love spring up in my heart? Make peace spring up? How how do I get peace and joy when when my wife is always nagging me? You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about my wife. I'm talking about yours. How do I... can't do it. I can't. The war is too fierce. The war is too big. I cannot get this in my heart. My heart doesn't have this. My, my, my valley, my desert, I cannot get water. I cannot find joy. I cannot find peace. I thought if I got these things fixed that I would find this, but I, I can't get these things fixed without this. I'm in a catch-22. In the middle of the valley. What do you do when you finally realize that your real need is something you can't get? What do you do when you finally realize that all of the pursuits and all the promises of victory over here means nothing without vitality over here? Where do you go when you cannot get your own water? You can go to church. That'll help. <laughs> but it's not at church. You can connect with, with other believers, small groups. That'll help, but they don't have it either. I told Matt and I said, honey, I, I'm right there with you. I have no water either. I have no heart naturally of love. I don't have natural joy that just springs up in me. I'm hugely dependent on my circumstances. I'm right there with you. I'm 37, you're 8. And we're both at the same place. It took me a little longer to get there than you figured it out. But, but figuring it out is, is the beginning. Discovering that, that's the beginning. But then what do you do? What do you do when you realize, oh my goodness, this person doesn't have what I need. This marriage doesn't have what I need. This, this, these, these kids, as beautiful as they might be, and they could be perfect. I mean, they could be like the, the Van Tropp singer, you know, the whistle, and they all line up. You know, they could be the perfect kids, and they're, you're not, they're not going to give you what you need. You could be married to Jesus himself and he's not going to give you what you need. There's something, there's some other, there's some other process that God has developed. And so God speaks to the king of Israel. He says, look, what you need, you cannot get for yourself. But he says, what I want you to do is I want you to start digging in preparation for what I am about to give you. He says, I'm going to fill this thing with water. So that you'll be able to drink your cattle and your animals. And I like verse 18. He says, and this is a simple matter. (laughs) Just to rub it in. God says, by the way, this ain't nothing. I know you're wringing your hands. I I know you've been searching all your life to try to find water. I know you're so thirsty that this thing's about to kill you. But for me, 
This is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. This is an easy thing for God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible for you is possible for God. What is impossible in your strength is possible in His strength. What is impossible for you. He says, I just want you to know how easy this is going to be for me. I know you didn't ask. I know you didn't even, I know you weren't even curious. But I'll just tell you, I bench press a lot more than this. I mean, this isn't even, I, I'm, I'm not even going to get off my throne to fix this one. I just, I just do it from here. I got a remote that fixes this one. I, it's, it's an easy thing. This, is, this, this ain't nothing. This this, 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 ain't, this ain't nothing. And the king of Israel is wondering, ain't nothing. This is huge. Water in the wilderness with no rain, with no clouds. What are you talking about? This is nothing. And God says, no, no, this, this, this is nothing. What's going to happen is I'm going to supply your water. Oh, and I'm going to throw in a little something else. He says, I will also deliver the Moabites, the war, into your hand. i tell you what. You keep seeking war and die of thirst if you want to. But you come to God and God says, I can give you water. And it's not really that difficult. Plus, I'll throw in the war. I'll just let you win the war too. Just because I'm that good. I just kind of feel like it today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let... And so, and, and, and so their dilemma created inside of them a dependence on God. This is, this is what I mean when I say that you cannot get this, but God can get this for you. God can give this to you. God is wanting to give this to you. But you have to, first of all, go to Him. And this is what I told Matt, and I said, Honey, I don't have love for everybody all the time. There's a lot of people I don't understand, and a lot of people that kind of tick me off. Because there's a lot of stupid people in the world. And, 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 you know, just terrorists and just idiots and just, just you know, Texas drivers. And, and, and there's, there's, there's people, I have a hard time, you know, because you know, some people, like, they just do it to themselves. It's like, well, yeah, of course. And so I don't always have compassion. I don't always have love. But I, I don't get it from me. I don't have a secret, secret little stash of something that I've learned throughout the years and this is how I roll. No, I'm still back at eight years old. I go to God and God gives me water. I call on God and He gives me love. I call on God, He gives me peace. I call on God, not just on Sunday. That's why, like, that, that's why it's not a religious thing to pray every day. It's, it, it, it's a survival thing to pray every day. I'm not trying to get you to be super spiritual Christians. I just want you, I just want you to experience some breakthrough in your life. And the only way to do it is to daily go to God for the water that only He can give. It's an easy thing for Him. It's not difficult. And He wants to pour it out. He wants to bless you. He wants to equip you. He doesn't want you to run thirsty. He doesn't want you to live thirsty. And His instruction is very simple. He says, just simply start digging. Start preparing. And half the time, that's why we come to church because we're digging. We don't necessarily have water, but we're digging. Last week, our worship kind of struggled with uh, some of the, 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 uh, the, I say worship, I mean the singing, kind of struggled with some of the mechanics of playing instruments, and, 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 but we just kept digging. And that's what I told Dallas afterward. I said, we're probably, you know, he's a great musician. I'm not a good musician, but I'm a good digger. Um, that's what I am. Not a gold digger, a good digger. I, I'm, a, I'm a good digger. 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't always get the beat right. And he's telling me about getting on the back of the beat and the front of the beat. I don't even know where the beat is. And so, I, let alone to you know specifically target different sections of the beat. I'm not the best. Uh, a player, but I'm just a digger. I'm just interested in creating space. I'm just interested in raising my hands even when I don't feel anything. Half the time I preach, and you're like, wow, you're just coming straight from your heart. Well, sort of. Actually, I wasn't even feeling like getting up this morning and coming and talking to you, but, but I just decided that I was going to dig a little bit. And sometimes you just have to start digging. I don't feel it. I don't see it. I don't hear it. I don't smell it. But I'm just going to create space. I'm going to create a, a, a gap in my week. On Sunday morning, I'm going to come and create space. I'm going to raise my hands, not because, oh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, Hillsong is just hitting all the right notes. But no, because, because I'm creating space in my life for him to come in and to fill my emptiness because I need him. Because I, I'm that desperate. Right? It's like those, it's like those Valentine chocolate boxes. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what's in those things, but you're just big enough to find out. You just got to pop them in and figure <laughs> Like, you just got to dig sometimes. You just have to keep digging. You just have to keep digging. I remember a while back, Nick, who's back from the hospital. Welcome back, Nick. I remember a while back, Nick was telling me, and, 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 and uh, he would come on Saturday morning prayer, and Nick said, Nick said, I just want to, in his words, uh, he said, I wanted to catch the Holy Ghost. That's old school language. Some of you don't even know. I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's not like hide and seek. It's not like tag. He's talking about he's talking about receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and specifically praying in a spiritual language known as tongues, where you don't even know what you're saying. God's saying something through you, and we believe in that. And he said, "I just want to. I just, I just really want that." And I said, "Well, the Bible says to ask and keep asking, knock and keep knocking, seek and keep." Did you start digging? Well, so 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 how do I get that? Does Pastor Harry lay his hand on my head and say something? Well, you know, sometimes, but no, not necessarily. Just start digging. And so I remember he he comes, uh, him and Carol come, and uh, several others come on Saturday morning prayer. And by the way, we have prayer at 9 a.m. if you want to join me at the church office. We have prayer at 9 a.m. And I remember one time it was just Nick sitting there in the middle, and uh, 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 Cheryl was pacing over here, and I was pacing over here. We were just praying, and Cheryl and I were just kind of going at it, and I, I suddenly hear Nick sort of praying loudly. And he doesn't normally pray loudly. He starts praying louder, and I don't know the language he's praying in. And I think, wow, okay, that, 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 that's, that's kind of awesome. And so then we end the prayer meeting, and, and, and that's when Nick said, hey, like, I just, I just started speaking in some other language. I don't even know where it came from, and, and it, just, it, just, it just happened. It, well, why? How? 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 Tell me. Tell me the steps. Tell me, tell me how to win that war, will you? No. I don't know. I just know that if you get digging ditches and start asking God for water, that at some point there comes this feeling that just happens. And at some point, your marriage just suddenly, it's like, wow, somebody flipped a switch on, on me, and suddenly things are, are working that weren't working before. You try fighting, you do the same thing when you are healthy over here that you were doing when you were unhealthy. You'd be amazed at how it works. You'd be amazed at how your spouse would respond to a spouse that's only satisfied in Christ alone. You would be amazed at how your kids would respond to a parent who has their eyes on Jesus and not on their problems. You, you would be amazed at what can happen when you're healthy. 
And when God pours out that water, and so what do we do in the meantime? We just get digging. We just get digging, and we get digging, and we get digging, and we prepare the space, and we dig, and we prepare the space. We show up at prayer meeting, whether we feel like it or not. We read the Bible, whether we get anything out of it or not. We show up to church, whether the AC's on or not. Come on, somebody. And we're, we're desiring because we're, because we're hungry for something that we cannot do. And we've come to that conclusion. That's what real Christianity is. People got it mixed up. They think Christians think that they're perfect. No, we are so imperfect. We are this desperate that we will come sit in this place and seek God for something new and something fresh and something real because we can't find it anywhere else. We've got to have water. We've got to have water. We have to have the presence of God. We are hungry and thirsty for Him. We get nothing else has satisfied us. Nothing else has quenched us. Nothing else is taking care of this nagging thirst inside of us. He's the only one. And so it says, God said that he's going to deliver the war right after the water. <laughs> First I'm going to hand you the water, then I'm going to hand you the war. In verse 20, it happened in the morning that when the grain offering was offered, that suddenly, somebody say suddenly. Suddenly. That means all of a sudden. <laughs> that means... That means in a, in a moment. That means in an instant. That means bam. That means right away. That's what, that's what that word means in case you're wondering. It doesn't mean there's this long process. No, suddenly. So the process is all night. They're digging all night. They're digging all night. And then in the morning it happened that when the grain offering was offered. Huh? The what? The grain offering. The grain offering is a is a form of worship that um, could be offered to Jehovah, but it was not required. So it wasn't like the tithe. The tithe was required. Actually, three tithes were required back in the day. Um, <laughs> so you had to tithe three times. And, and then, and then, but there was, this, there was this grain offering that was completely optional. You could do it if you wanted to. It was kind of like, I'm just so thankful for what God's doing in my life. I'm just going to give him an extra offering. It's extra. It's a tip. It's above and beyond. It's like, it's like, man, this is God's really blessing me right now. I think that's interesting. After digging all night and not having any water, they said, hey, how about we just thank God for how awesome he is and how much he's blessed us. Dying of thirst, let's thank God for how much he's blessed us. And so what you do with the grain offering is it requires, I think it's four ingredients. You First of all, you need flour, ground up, uh, you need oil, you pour the oil in with the flour, and salt, and you put salt in with the flour, and you mix it up, you stir it up. If anybody was here for a couple, a couple weeks ago, I talked about pancakes. So that's basically what they're making. So that's why I brought this little guy here. Because that's basically what they're doing. They got flour, they got oil, they got salt. They mix it up. And then the way that you offer this offering to God, this is the way God said to offer it. I have copied them entirely. But he said you need to get a griddle and pour, pour the grain offering onto the griddle. And watch the little bubbles start coming up. And then when it gets ready, flip it. And then cook it. And then while it's cooking, you're supposed to take frankincense, which is a, a scent, and hold it over the grain offering so that God would smell the frankincense. It's interesting. God's, God's offering, 
God's offering included two cents. There was, there was the frankincense that went up to God, but there was the smell of fresh pancakes. Come on, somebody. For the people. God said, I don't really like the smell of pancakes, but I like frankincense. So I'll have pancakes for you all, which is then the priest would eat the pancake. So yeah, I, I'll serve pancakes for you, but you just, and, and I'll smell the frankincense. All of God's offerings always include a blessing for the people who are offering it, by the way. And so they, so, so this is what they're doing. They're, they're in the middle of, of, of the desert. They're, they're in the bottom of the valley, and they're dying of thirst. They've been digging all night, and somebody says, hey, do we have any oil? I know we don't have any water. Do we have any oil? Yeah, I got some oil. Okay, I got some flour. I was planning on making some breakfast, but instead of eating breakfast, I'm going to give my breakfast to God. And they grind it up, they mix it up, and they pour it out. And it says, as soon as the grain, when suddenly, when the grain offering was offered, I, I, this is Harry, found in First Harry chapter 3, verse 42. I think it means that as soon as, like, like you know, they, they flip the last pancake, you know what I mean? They, they, they flipped it, and then suddenly, water started coming. They flipped it, and then suddenly. So, so, so you say, well, how do I, how do I start digging? Well, first of all, do what God's called you to do, told you to do right now, to start digging, whether you feel it or not, whether you see anything or not. But secondly, secondly, you can you can give God what you have. We, they didn't have water, but they had flour. They didn't have water, but they had oil. They didn't have water, but they had salt. And so they mixed those things together and they stirred it up and they poured it out. That's what worship is. It's a stirring and a pouring and a stirring and a pouring and a stirring and a pouring. You stir yourself up and you pour yourself out. You stir yourself up and you pour yourself out. And, and, and then there comes a point in time in which, in which you find yourself on a hot griddle and nothing makes sense. And then God comes and flips you and suddenly you start to see what he's been doing underneath, underneath all that batter where he placed you. And this is where they're at. They're in a hot griddle. They're basically in the middle of a valley in a desert. And when they flip the last pancake, suddenly water came into the valley. Well, yeah, kind of. But the Bible wants us to know specifically, if we can go back to that verse, specifically water came from where? By way of Edom. <laughs> what? By way of Edom. So it didn't start raining. God said it wasn't going to rain. There wouldn't be any wind or clouds. Water came by way of Edom. Edom is where they just came from, by the way. Edom is the desert that they've been walking in for seven days. So they're, they're in this valley, and they've been digging all night, and they offer this grain offering to God. And they hear a noise. And it's not coming from where they thought the war that it was going to come from. It's not coming from in front of them, from Moab, from their enemies. It's not like suddenly their enemies are finally giving them the water they've been seeking all their... No. They, it's from behind them. There's no clouds. There's no, there's no cloud. There's no wind. It doesn't smell like rain. They hear this noise from behind them and they turn around in the wilderness they just got done walking through. There's this massive river that starts flowing toward them. And it wasn't there yesterday. It wasn't there the day before. They've been, they've been walking through that wilderness. It's like, it's like they look behind them. They, 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 were, 
expecting something to come from in front of them. They've been keeping their eyes focused on where they were going. But then God says, I'm going to bring water from where you've been walking. It's amazing how, how, how God doesn't need clouds. He can just start zapping all the moisture from under every rock and everything and start coalescing it to, and, and bringing it to, to, together. Instead of putting it up into the air, he just gathered all the moisture of the wilderness that they had been walking through, all the invisible water that they had been walking by. All of their life, the water had been there. All seven days of the journey, the water was there. They just couldn't see it. That's why faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that you cannot see. And if you have faith in what you cannot see, God starts bringing what was what was invisible, making it visible, placing it together, piecing it together so that you turn around and you look at your past and you say, even the tough things, even the difficult things, even the hard desert journey, there was water in it that was coming to where I am. See, they couldn't get to water because of the warfare, so God is bringing the water to them. They couldn't get to it, so God's bringing it to them, and he decided to bring it to them from their past, because the Bible says that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. All things work together. All things. Good things, bad things. Uh, mistakes, misfortunes, good things, bad things. Oh, times of obedience, times of devotion, good things. All things work together for good to them that love God. God will use what you've been walking through to feed where you are right now. God will use all the stuff that you've gone through. You didn't even see the moisture in the air. You couldn't sense it. You couldn't drink it. But God is able to draw out of that area of your life that you would rather get away from. God is able to draw out of that area the sustenance that you need right here and right now. And that's why at some level you got to thank Him for the wilderness too. You can't just value the valley. You have to value the journey. At some level, you have to say that, that like, like David, right? At the end of his life, he turned around and he said, Surely goodness and mercy have been following me all the days of my life. Now, I thought that was Saul following you, David, uh, most of the days of your life. No, 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 no. Goodness and mercy have been. Yeah, but I thought, I thought that was that, 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 fall, that, that time. Even, even when David sinned against God, went and slept with another man's wife and killed him, surely goodness and mercy have been following me all the time. That, that's, that's not good or merciful. That's bad, bad stuff, David. What are you talking about? He looked back on his past and he said, even my mistakes, even my sin, even my my times, I fell short. Nobody had to mess me up. I messed myself up. But even in the midst of my mess, there was a God who was working all things together for my good. Goodness and mercy have been following me. I didn't always call them goodness and mercy. Sometimes I call them tragedy and, and, and problems. But goodness and mercy, sometimes the things that drive us away from certain issues are actually protecting us from stuff we don't even know that we're going toward. Goodness and mercy are following me. He's uh, even, even in the midst of my mistakes. I thought I jacked up God's plan for my life. I thought I rewrote the book and messed up what he had planned. But goodness and mercy are able to follow me even when I grabbed the pen out of God's hand and decided to scribble a bunch of nonsense. Even goodness and mercy came out of that chapter that I wrote. God is sovereign enough to take your journey through the wilderness and bring water out of it and bring health out of it and bring wholeness out of it and bring a testimony out of it. Would you bow your heads and pray with me for just a moment? Lord, we come before you and we recognize our need for you. If that's you, if you just say that I need God and I need 
His Spirit in my life. I need water in my life. Would you just raise your hand right now? It's just as an act of, as, of, of desperation. Say, um, that's me. I'm in the valley. I'm thirsty. I, I, I've been fighting the war, but I need the water. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Lord, we come before you right now. We just confess our need to you. We cannot do it on our own. We've tried and it hasn't worked. We need you. We need your spirit. Lord, just like Nick right now, we make ourselves available to you. We open up our, our hearts. We open up our hands. We open up our mind to you. That, you. that our life is available for you to come in and interfere. You can rearrange our values, our priorities. Lord, help us to, help us to put water first. Help us to put your spirit first. Help us to seek you first. Scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the water of God. And his, his righteousness, which is all of this stuff. And all of these things will be added. Victory will come after vitality. The war will be thrown in along with the water. God will, God will take care of the breakthrough. We first receive the water of the Holy Spirit. We're open to everything that you have. Even if, uh, even if our theology doesn't even line up with your word. Sometimes... We got hung up. We got to learn the right thing. We got to figure out the right. No, there's not a special prayer. It's just, God, I need you. I'm desperate. God, I have you in my life. And I'll just start digging. I don't know where. I don't know how. I don't know how deep. I'm not sure. I'm just going to start digging. I'm just going to start doing the things that you've called me to do. Doing the things that create space in my life. Make availability in my schedule. Make availability in my mind. I, I separate and, I, and I, I break up the foul of the hard ground of my heart in order to be able to receive and retain your spirit. Thank you, Lord. We just give you thanks right now for everything that you're doing. We just, we just offer a grain offering right now and thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your that you've never left us in the wilderness. And thank you that you have provided a way. We thank you, Lord, that at the end of our ability, you stand waiting for us to just to just grow. To just grow out of our shell. To just grow out of where we're, our confines, our limits. So grow us, Lord. No growth hormones, just just natural, just grow us. We don't want to speed up the process because that that compromises the product. 